0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Thanks for joining us today. This Saturday night, in only two days, AEW will broadcast third edition of the Full Gear pay-per-view from the Target Center in Minneapolis. As you may recall, Full Gear a year ago was held in front of a limited socially distanced crowd at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, and it rocked nonetheless. So this Saturday, now in front of a full house at the Target Center, you can expect more of the same. In fact, Full Gear will mark one of the biggest shows of 2021 with three AEW championship belts on the line. Darby Allen also takes on MJF, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston, Brian Danielson versus Miro, a Minneapolis street fight, and other camp mismatches. So with that, it is now my honor to introduce AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative, Tony Khan, who is here for the next 45 minutes or so to answer your questions. I'll turn it over to Tony now for some opening thoughts, and then we'll open the lines for your questions. Tony?
1: Hey, hey everyone. I really look forward uh, to your questions, and I don't want to take up too much of the time so everyone can get them in. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the pay-per-view this weekend, and thank you all for participating in this call and helping us spread the word about AEW and Full Gear.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks, Tony. So here we go. Uh, we're going to start with Chris Mueller from bleacher report and then after Chris on the on deck circle will be John Alba. From ad free shows, so, Chris, the floor is yours.
1: Thanks. Um, Hey, Tony, Uh, so with full gear coming up, we've got a big card here with 10 matches and. Previous pay per views have been similar length. I was just wondering if that is sort of like the ideal length that you've kind of picked for AEW pay-per-views or do you ever see that being shortened or expanded for different events in the future? Well, it's a great question, Chris. Uh, For the big four AEW pay-per-views, I think we found a great length that works very well for us. Um, We've had really, really great reviews for the pay-per-views we've done and particularly the all-out pay-per-view, our most recent show is the best feedback we've ever had on anything we've ever done, any any show. And it's uh, the most revenue we've ever brought in from a pay-per-view. And I think it was also the best the fans or the critics have ever received any of the shows. So uh, I really like the format and length of the shows, the four-hour main card plus the buy-in with a pre-show match or two. So, yeah, I think it's uh, a good length of card, and, and we really found something that works for us very well.
0: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Chris. Okay, as promised, John Alba from Ad Free Sports is next. And after that, I'm going to read a write in question from Jonathan Hood of ESPN Chicago. So, John? Jim, thank you. And Tony, thank you for your time, as always. Uh, I'd like to ask you about Hangman Page, someone who we saw at the introductory press conference for AEW back in the beginning of 2019. He was positioned to be a big star out of that gate. And yet, here we are now. Uh, more than two years later, seemingly ready for what could be a crowning moment. Uh, what would you like to say about his journey over the course of that time and how he's grown as a performer? And why is now the right time for him to face Kenny Omega on this stage?
1: Well, it's a great question, John. Uh, we talked about homemade stars before in AEW, and this is the epitome of the homemade star. Uh, Hangman Page was. A young wrestler, when he, when he joined AEW, who uh, a lot of the hardcore wrestling fans knew, but he hadn't had a lot of experience wrestling on national television. And he's really blossomed under the eyes of the fans and the, pe- the people who've been watching AEW from the beginning. And we've been really blessed to have a great audience that stuck with us from when we first launched Dynamite in 2019. And there's all these fans that have seen Hangman grow. Uh, He actually got the very first shot at the AEW title. Uh, You know, he and Chris Jericho, Hangman and Chris Jericho wrestled in the first ever All Out main event. They had a great match. And then we've seen Hangman grow so much as a wrestler uh, from when he debuted. Obviously, we, you know, had big plans for him. I thought really highly of him since he first came in and have always uh, believed he's a, a top wrestler. Now here he is again, getting another opportunity at the championship, and it's a very different company and it's a very different situation. There's so much history between Kenny and Hangman. Uh, they had a great partnership. It was something I felt really strongly about from the beginning of AEW that I really believed in, in Kenny and Hangman together as a team and what we could build from it. And here we are, and we, you know we're still uh, it's, it's still you know bearing the fruits of our labor. So uh, I really. Uh, have always believed in Hangman Page, and I've also really believed in Kenny Omega, and that there's something special between the two of them. At first, as a tag team, uh, on our third ever Dynamite in Philadelphia, uh, did a, we did a match? It was a uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus John Moxley and pack. and that was the first time Kenny Omega and Hangman Page had ever teamed. And I really I liked it a lot. The match did a really good number, and they kept teaming and there was so much story i mean it it it, it, they had so much chemistry and then they had this amazing match against the young bucks at revolution and uh we just saw they had a an amazing chemistry as a tag team yet there was something between them where you you could immediately tell that someday it was going to be an amazing rivalry between kenny omega and hangman page and then uh, they had an amazing match at full gear last year and as jim said In the introduction to the call, Full Gear last year was held at Daly's Place in front of a physically distanced, limited crowd. But at the time, there was nothing like it in North American pro wrestling. There were about 1,300 fans at Daly's Place at about 25% capacity, outdoors, socially distanced. We did those shows. As you've all heard me say many times, it was like a drive-in movie where uh, each group of fans had their own pod and they had their own seating section. Uh, Outdoors, And and, uh, we found a way to bring outdoor wrestling and and live wrestling back. And it was the only place on TV worldwide, really, where the fans could see that kind of wrestling with the fans cheering and and going crazy. And uh, what a match it was at Full Gear. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page last year in the finals of the Eliminator Tournament to get a shot at the world title. And then from there, Kenny Omega won the world title. And he's closing in on one year as the world champion. Uh, He is our longest reigning champion and uh, the company has grown and evolved so much with Kenny as the champion. And he's had so many classic matches already in this run. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited uh, for their match. And I think for hangman page uh, it's hard to talk about the story of hangman page in AEW without talking about also the story of Kenny Omega. And uh, that's one of the reasons why this, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page match is one of the most anticipated matches I think ever in AEW um the character of Hangman Page I think the fans have have grown to love him more on January 1st 2020 uh we saw kind of a more vulnerable side of the Hangman character for the first time um to be honest uh on BTE uh I watched the BTE show and the guys do great work on it and they come up with really funny stuff and a lot of times if I see something on BTE that I really like, I'll, I'll say, I want to use it on this on dynamite. And, you know, a great example more recently of that is John Silver, the John Silver, Adam Cole stuff. I saw that on BTE. I thought it was great. And it, I was getting over, I wanted to use it. And to really John Silver himself a year ago, I saw John Silver doing all this stuff on BTE and it was like, Hey, like <laughs> you're doing all this amazing stuff on BTE. I think, you know, I, I think you should be doing this on dynamite. I'm very impressed. And, uh, you know, really cut back to 2019, a year earlier, I had seen Hangman Page drinking on BTE and doing a character. And I thought his acting was great. And I thought the character was great. And it showed a more vulnerable side of the Hangman and made him, I thought, uh, really uh, a flawed hero in many ways. Uh, that, And I think it has made him connect more with the audience. I think mean, it's worked really well. And it was a big part of the story. And then people were Uh, you know, ready to see him uh, come back from the lows and get some redemption. But uh, it's a great story because uh, there's something in front of him, an obstacle that that certainly he's never conquered and nobody's been able to conquer. So I think everybody's really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen at the pay-per-view between Kenny and Hangman.
0: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, John. Um, I'm going to read a question here from Jonathan Hood from ESPN Chicago. Tony, uh, Jonathan would like to know how likely is it for you to have pay-per-view events in California or other pacific slash mountain time zone cities in the future after uh, yeah. to- after Tony answers that i want we'll, we'll be calling on Sean Ross Sapp from fightful Tony
1: so, thanks Jim it's a great question Jonathan and uh we are coming out to the west coast next year and double or nothing uh i I'm sorry I feel pretty safe about saying it now i i think it's it's been uh you know I, I it's been difficult not being able to travel as much as we would have liked And right now in 2021 we're making up uh a lot of dates that were shows we had scheduled in 2020 and had never done like in april 2020 our whole slate got canceled at the beginning of the pandemic outbreak and it was uh, a run of shows we had of milwaukee st louis uh boston philadelphia and houston and all five of those shows we just did very recently here in in the past couple months so uh we are now just getting kind of caught up on pre scheduled dates we are going to service our great fans on the west coast in 2022 and i am planning for double or nothing to return to las vegas in 2022 and we'll also uh you know i think do Dynamite and and Rampage while we're on the West Coast, and I really look forward to that and and bringing Double or Nothing back to Vegas, although it was also great having Double or Nothing in Daly's Place this past year and all the events in Daly's Place. Uh, They were such a great home for us, but uh, I'm very excited to go back to Vegas also.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Um, so next up will be Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, and following Sean will be Ella J. from SE Scoops. Unmuted.
1: Hey, Tony. There, there have been a lot of questions regarding uh, Ring of Honor uh, due to some unfortunate news we heard about them taking some time off and maybe the company looking completely different. They've released, or everybody will be released from their contract soon. There's also, obviously, a, a very vast video library there, that, which includes all in which was kind of a precursor to aew who knows if that's even for sale right now but is there any interest on on your part in pursuing that or or any of the talent that is uh going to be available there because there's quite a bit of it well there's a lot of great stuff there they've had a lot of great
0: matches
1: shows in the library and they have some very good talent so i can't say uh with any certainty uh, uh but uh you know we'll see what happens on the business side and as far as the talent goes i would say stay tuned to AEW you know there's uh dynamite every wednesday there's rampage this week you know tomorrow and uh we'll gear pay-per-view on saturday so um you never know who's going to show up in AEW uh and as for the business side of it i i'm good friends uh with a lot of people uh, in the company of Ring of Honor and actually the agent that represents them is my neighbor in L.A. He lives like 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 down the block. So uh, and he's, a, he's a friend of mine. So uh, I uh, am very familiar with what's going on there, but I, but I can't say with any degree of certainty uh, what will happen on the business side.
0: Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Sean. Ella J. from SE SC Scoops is next, and following Ella will be Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. Hello.
2: Hi, Tony. How are you?
0: I'm well. How are you?
2: I'm fantastic. So, I had a women's wrestling question for you. Great. So, obviously, the bar, I think, has been really raised this year with a lot of all-women shows and main events taking place. But does AEW have any plans or hopes to contribute, maybe an all-women's event of their own sometime? So
1: I'm gonna cut. The, I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna cut off your question right there because I don't think I get enough credit for what I did for the NWA show, because a good number of the people who wrestled on the NWA show were wrestlers I sent and paid, and so I do think I contributed because the highest-paid wrestlers on that show were actually the people I paid separately from they already make an AEW to go wrestle on that show, and I don't think. They did a very good job of telling people that, honestly. Um, even though I, it wasn't like the deal we did, I wish they'd told more people that because that was one of the points I made when we closed. It was I think it would be nice if you told people that I'm paying the wrestlers coming, because I, you know, it is a big contribution for me. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So that so I did pay the wrestlers for that show. So I was like, uh, I, you know, it's like kind of like when you pay for a pay for a dinner and nobody nobody thanks you. So like. Uh, that was, that was uh, one thing. Uh, so I have uh, really been uh, making a big effort this year uh, to grow and improve our women's division. And I think have uh, made, uh, I think, a lot of strides with our women's division this year as a company. Uh, we've added big free agents. And I, I'm really excited about what's happening with the TBS tournament right now um the you know among the big free agents we've added are thunder rosa who came over from the nwa of course and uh you know uh ruby solo and ruby solo coming over it's interesting because i had a great conversation with her a couple days ago she's in the tbs championship tournament and she's been in a lot of tournaments and she's wrestled all over as you know and i uh so, you know, I, I was talking to her about the tournament, and she's not a BS person. Like, Dory, Ruby Soho, uh, is the ultimate straight shooter, and she loves this tournament. She was saying she's never been in a tournament like this. She loves all the story in it, because if you look, like, there's story building with her and Chris Statlander, and they didn't really have a rivalry, but there's, you know, we've been they've been uh, doing the promos on TV, and we've seen that uh, there's been a couple of situations where they've Uh, helped each other out you know uh, Chris had Ruby's back and then now they're even and uh, Ruby doesn't owe her anything anymore and uh, uh, really I'm excited very much for Jade versus Red Velvet I'm very excited for Sheeta versus uh, Nyla Rose and of course we've seen a lot of great build uh, including last night's Dynamite towards Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter so uh, I have been and am trying to actively make big strides in women's wrestling. And as far as a lot of the stuff that has been happening in the all women shows that have happened in other places, I actually have made great contributions, including financial contributions, which I think they could have done a better job of telling people about, honestly, if that makes sense. Thanks, Tony. Yes, makes sense.
0: Thank you. So next up is Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc., and thereafter, I will have a write-in question from Sebastian Diaz from over-the-top rope wrestling in Chile. So, Nick, you're up. Tony, can you hear me? Hey. Tony? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, sorry, sorry, I had myself no, double. Good, Nick. Okay, wonderful. Hi, Tony. Thank you very much for the time.
1: Uh, I kind of want to follow up on uh, something I'm sure you get a lot of questions about, but uh, you know, earlier when you were asked about Bray Wyatt, he was still under 90 day non-compete. Obviously that expired like a week, week and a half ago, I guess on behalf of a lot of fans, I know he's interested
0: in the movie business right now, but have you had any contact or is your interest level changed in bringing Bray Wyatt, you know, into AEW?
1: No, I, I like Wyndham a lot, you know, we'll see uh, what happens. I, I haven't talked to him about it ever about him coming to AEW. The last time I saw Wyndham, uh, was at Chris Jericho's birthday party. And, uh, I think, you know, it was a pretty late night and it was, uh, last year. So, uh, it's a very different world. And I only saw him in passing very briefly. Uh, I was heading out uh, as he was heading in. Um, but he was, it was pretty late at night, <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I think he's uh, a wonderful person and a great talent.
0: Thank you, Nick. Okay, I've got a question here from Sebastian Diaz, who's writing in from uh, uh, Chile. Uh, Hi, Tony. We're entering the last weeks of Dynamite on TNT as a weekly show before we jump to TBS. So that's a new start. Will there be a refresh of the brand, maybe new music, new logos, stages, or will it be the same? Greetings from Santiago, Chile. Tony? Hey. Uh,
1: okay, so uh, basically, Jim, the question about Dynamite, just to make sure I, I got the, the just the question, it's asking if the format will be the same when we move to TBS.
0: Yeah, format, look, you know, the staging, the lighting, the music, you know, will it be a different look on TBS, or, or are we going to pretty much go from the TNT look into TBS? Well, it's a great
1: question. Okay, so now I understand. Uh, that is a great question, and it's a few questions in one. Uh, the great wrestling and the great wrestlers and what people love about Dynamite, for the most part, I think that's all going to be the same, but the look of the show, you know, we may do some some tweaks and and in presentation and it'll be fun and uh we'll do our best and if you don't like it then we'll go back to what we had but i think we're gonna uh look at the presentation of the show going into tbs but the wrestling the wrestlers all the stuff you love about the show for the most part i think will be the same and hey if uh if i mess with the look of the show and you don't like it i can always go back so uh uh i i uh, think that's a great question but i'm also very excited about the move uh the tbs and all the great things that'll happen with that, uh, which which will be great for us. It's great to be back on Wednesday night. Now uh, we were on this amazing run uh, on Wednesday nights, and and and, uh, and really, uh, it's our home. And there have been a couple times where we've had to shift, to, you know, Saturdays here and there. And it's always, um, you know, uphill to get your momentum back when you do. So I think, I, I as I understand, there'll be a, a, a bit less time shifting when we do move to TBS. There are still sports on TBS where there are conflicts and stuff, but I I think it'll be great for the fans and very excited also Rampage will be staying on TNT. And, of course, that same week in uh, January when we launch Dynamite on TBS, uh, we'll, of course, have Rampage again on TNT, and then we'll have the first-ever Battle of the Belts in AEW. Uh, So stay tuned for more info on that. And uh, 2022, we're going to start it in a very big way
0: Thank you, Tony. And thank you, Sebastian, for joining us from from South America. So I'm going to come up with two names here. Steven Spice from Steven's Wrestling Journey will be next, and he will be followed by Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media. Steven, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All yours. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for bringing me on. This means so much to me. Hey, how are you? I love AEW. Thank I'm you. Good.
1: I'm glad to hear it.
0: And so my question is, how do you and your crew develop the ideas of the matches that go on these pay-per-views and every every Thursday night? And well, Wednesday? I,
1: so I work, uh, I work really hard, and I work with a lot of different people, and so... Uh, I stay up really late on Tuesday nights and thursday nights a lot <laughs> and uh and that helps come up with ideas and a lot of times you and it, you're thinking about it all night and uh or all day and and you never know when the good ideas come to you and then a lot of other people have really good ideas too, so I talk to lots of different people and i lots of different people have really good ideas and uh I have to take all the ideas and figure out which ones are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones and I try to mostly pick the good ones and i have a lot of ideas on matches and and i try to organize the show every week based on what would make sense for the fans uh and what would make sense for the flow of the show and you know i have to fit the commercial breaks in uh and it's a very different job formatting dynamite versus formatting rampage you know a lot more goes in in some ways to doing dynamite where you have all these segments and there's so many people in a dynamite and there's so much stuff that happens in a two hour show in rampage. It's more succinct because I like to get a lot of good wrestling in a one hour show, which is a challenge, but it's, it's also a really fun challenge. So it's difficult in a totally different way. Um, And then the pay-per-views, which you also asked about Um, famously, I guess people know I doodle around a lot and uh, sketch out ideas and kick around ideas, but I also change them. And I told people, uh, when somebody photographed me on the sidelines, uh, of a Jaguars game and I wasn't even doodling in that moment, I was actually writing on the other side of the page about football, but I flipped the page over and then somebody took a picture of me on the sideline. And, uh, but as you can see what I was doodling, I had a lot of, you know, it was second thoughts. I changed a lot of stuff, a lot of new ideas that made sense, uh, came into fruition. And frankly, a lot of circumstances changed. So uh, that's how it is and it's a great question um and sometimes you have a week to think about it and there's other times like in the pandemic where somebody you know isn't able to come to work or you know they you know they have symptoms or you're waiting for them to get a test back or or you know you don't want to take a chance or uh there's travel there were a ton of travel issues and at the beginning of the pandemic the bigger issue was uh you know, a lot of people weren't really comfortable traveling, which I totally understood. And it told everybody, I think, as Tony Schiavone reiterated this week, told everybody at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody can stay home if they want. We're just going to run with volunteers to keep the show going because the show is what I the money I bring in, which I used to pay everybody. And so uh, with the volunteer crew, that was like, you know, about 29 percent of the people, I, I booked the shows very quickly to uh make sure we had great shows to keep the show on the air but there were also a lot of really great matches in that time and memorable moments like when Sheeta versus Britt that great match they had where Britt got her nose broken or um all, so many great matches in the inaugural TNT title tournament and that's where we held that and uh even Orange Cassidy made his TV wrestling debut in that moment. I didn't have a lot of choices. I mean, it was, it was, it was, a uh, and it, and for all things considered at that point, I, I did a good number. So I, uh, really am very fortunate to have a lot of really smart people who come up with great ideas that I work with. And, and it's a fun job being able to come up with my own ideas and then sort through, uh, the ideas of a lot of really smart people and try to put together a wrestling show. That's like about as fun a job as there is.
0: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Stephen. Next is Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media. following Niger will be Russ Weekland from Hollywood Life. Niger, you're up.
1: Hey, how's it going, Tony? Very well. Thanks, man. Good, good. Um, last night, a video kind of went viral on social media after the conclusion of Dynamite, where uh, we see you, Ruby Soho, CM Punk, um, and Cody Rose invited a fan into the ring uh, as he celebrates uh, being cancer-free, uh, which is a very special moment. Really touched me. Um, I, I thought it was one of the best things I've seen on social media in a while. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how those moments like that happen? How do you connect with the fans and, and be able to have that type of connection and, and outreach in such a quick moment to make these moments happen? Well, it's like, it's like, it's, I love booking when it's fun stuff like that. And you're not worrying about booking for ratings. (laughs) So that's like the fun side of booking. So, um, I was in gorilla and, uh, during a commercial break, uh, like, you know, we were doing the thing where it was pack versus Dax and we were in commercial before the main event match. And then we had the contract signing for Kenny versus hangman after that. And, Uh, I was by Cody and I had planned for punk to go out because the crowd hadn't gotten to see punk yet. And I wanted to make sure he interacted with the crowd because he was on the show fighting backstage with Eddie, but the crowd hadn't heard from him and seen him. And I know it would mean a lot to a lot of the people for him to come out and and be there. So I, uh, had mentioned to Cody, I was going to go out with punk and Cody and had said that, you know, he'd heard. And, and Cody does such a great job of community outreach. Uh, and uh, he works with a bunch of great people, including the captain, Sean Dean and Thunder Rosa and other people in AEW, uh, including um, Amanda Huber. And they found a fan who they said was cancer-free. And that was really cool. And so I said, all right, well, that's what I'll do is um, I'll bring out Cody, then you could, and I'll bring out CM Punk. And then Punk told me, uh, reminded me really, that this is Ruby's hometown. And he said, you know, why don't I bring out Ruby then too? And that's another pop and that'll be great. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll definitely do that. And so that's what we'll do. And that's what we did. So uh, that is, like I said, when you're not booking for reading and it's easy stuff like that, that was just a fun thing. So that's literally how it all came together. And uh, it was really nice to meet uh, Joe. And I think hopefully it was a good moment for Joe and also just try to make it a nice moment for the fans in Indianapolis and also for Ruby because it's her hometown and, uh, you know, she's a big star and we want to treat her like a big star. And it was cool for her to have that moment.
0: Thank you, Niger. And thank you, Tony. <clears throat> okay. Next is Russ Weekland from Hollywood Life. And then I will follow that with a write-in from Mark Madison from Pro Wrestling Post. Russ? Yeah. Hi. Uh, I was hoping to spend any date on uh, the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, there will be updates on the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament after Folkner. Uh I am. I've been really. There's so much on the card, right? And there's so many stories, and the show is so jam-packed. And I didn't want the Owen Hart Cup to lose the focus when I when I start talking about it. Uh, but the Owen is going to be a big prize in AEW and uh, uh, some interesting announcements uh, about it. Uh, one thing I will say right now uh, that, I, you know what, I'm going to save it. I'll save it till after full gear. Uh, you guys uh, will get more announcements on the Owen Hart Cup. I think I'll save it for uh, uh, Dynamite or Rampage after uh, the pay-per-view. Uh, but but stay tuned on that one. I, I will give more updates on the Owen Hart and I've, Something fun. I think everyone will really enjoy.
0: Thank you, Tony. Stay tuned, Russ. So next, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a question, Tony, from Mark Madison a Pro Wrestling Post, and then after Tony answers that, <clears throat> next up will be Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy. Here's the question from Mark, Tony, with Eddie Kingston's recent Players Tribune article in which he poured his heart out. Could you see back when he initially joined? A.W., what his contribution to A.W. and to the locker room would be eventually, a year from now, you know, and, and you know, did you foresee the kind of person that, that uh, you would have, uh, you know, in Eddie Kingston at A.W.?
1: Yes, pretty quickly. Uh, I connected with Eddie Kingston immediately. I'm a very, very close friend of mine, and I didn't know him until he came in uh but I connected with him very quickly and tried to find a spot for him right away too um if you remember he debuted against Cody and it was a great match and it was when Cody was the TNT champion and we did the open challenge and Cody came to me with a list of people when he wanted to do the open challenge and there were a bunch of really good names on it and the names I and there you know I think a lot of the people on the list I I did end up wanting to use. And then I had some names of my own, but two names he had that he really wanted to work with that have been great were Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston. And I felt really strongly about them both after they had the match with him too. And he did a great job in the matches with them and they both did a great job in the matches with him. And uh, in both cases, I had something for them. Now in Ricky's case, it was right when he was in the ring. I knew I wanted to use both of these guys on Dynamite. And in the pandemic era, when stars like this came you know, across your desk, you really wanted to hold on to them. So uh, Ricky, I immediately knew I was going to do the Team Taz thing with. And I actually called Mox at his house and told him I had found a guy that, for us to do this with. And I, he hadn't really seen Rico. And I told him to tr- trust me. And he did, and he, then he came over, brought Rico over, and he was like, "You were totally right." Now let me go back to Eddie, and I'll talk about Eddie for a really long time. Uh, so Eddie, uh, I didn't have that for. Uh, I wasn't. I knew I had to do something with this guy. What a massive talent! And Cody and Eddie had such a great match, and I found a unique opportunity because at Fighter Fest last year, it, Young Bucks and FTR were teaming and it was an unlikely partnership and they teamed against the lucha brothers and the butcher and the blade which was also kind of a unique team in an 8 man tag match at Fighter Fest 2020 and the butcher and the blade and the lucha brothers won and i felt like i had to do something with that cuz i was like they beat the Umbucks and ftr that's a huge win and i really want to follow up on it and i also really want to use these guys and i'll be honest now cuz it was a year and a half ago and it's in the past like i was you know not as deep on the heel side then And, uh, I really wanted to have, make a go with these guys. And I decided to to bring Eddie back as their wrestler and as a manager. And Eddie's a huge fan of hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. And I'm a huge fan, of Gilbert, a huge fan. And, and he's an inspiration to Eddie. And I told Eddie, you know, this is your chance to kind of be the hot stuff Eddie Gilbert of this stable, you're a wrestler and you're a manager and you'll be the manager for these guys who do a lot of the talking. And that's where the connection with, uh, Eddie and of course the Lucha brothers and the Butcher and the Blade began. And uh then going into all out twenty twenty, the build, if you remember, was kind of a, a unique heel heel build. And some people say heel heel doesn't always work. I think one of the best examples when I was a kid uh would be the Horseman versus the Midnight Express, Arn and Tolly versus the Midnight Express, uh, which was a program that had never really got going as much as it could have. It was really drawing money and then all of a sudden Arn and Tully were gone and became the brain busters. Uh, well, uh, that was a great program and I always thought, uh, there was something to it. So we did this where I, I had a, a heel, heel, heel situation basically, uh, where it was Jake, the snake and Lance Archer. It was, uh, team Taz really aforementioned, uh, Starks and, and Brian cage and with Taz and then this Eddie Kingston group. And then it would always looked like it was about to tee off between the three sides of heels. And then Darby would show up and Darby had this beef with Team Taz and he would go crazy and it would really, it would all set off and it was leading to the Casino Battle Royale. Well, uh, I felt really strong and Eddie had just gotten to the company uh, and I had the, the last two guys out there, B, Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston and it was this disputed finish in the end, which wasn't even exactly the way Eddie went through the ropes, wasn't even exactly how we originally laid it out, but it actually worked out even better. And I had earmarked eddie to wrestle john moxley and that's why i wanted him to be out there and be the him and lance to be the last two guys because they were the two guys i saw as great opponents for john and then uh lance uh of course is as, as he said you know he, he was like you never expected anything to happen we were all being very careful in a bubble and then he, he went to the veterinarian and next thing you knew he had COVID, and you know he uh it worked out well because Lance and John Moxley eventually got to do their matches and had built a great rivalry, including the Texas death match. But in the moment it was Eddie's time and Eddie had this great match with John Moxley and it really, uh, built, uh, something, something great. And then they had, um, a real rivalry and we were able to do, excuse me, uh, a pay-per-view story, uh, building to, uh, Full Gear last year and John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston was main event of Full Gear last year for the world title and uh Eddie Kingston's been a huge part of the company now as far so that's the yes to your question and now to the no I mean Eddie's uh I I knew the hardcore fans loved Eddie and I also had seen that he had crossed over to a mainstream audience and this was a person you could push on national television as a main event wrestler but I don't want to undersell how far he's come in the past year too and And also how far he's come outside of the ring uh, because I knew Eddie had had some struggles, but getting to know him more in the past year, I've learned more and more about it and how far he's come. And, and the people who knew him before I did tell me like, you wouldn't believe how far Eddie's come. Like if you knew him back then. So uh, yes and no, but as a wrestler, really, since he got here, I've always believed in him and I'm not surprised at all how well he's done. And um, I absolutely believed in him to put him in, you know, uh, on a pay-per-view in such a, a, in critical position in one of the biggest matches of the year, Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk.
0: Thanks, Tony. <clears throat> Thanks for the uh the writing in question there, Mark. Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy is next. And Stephanie will be followed by Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald. Steph.
2: Hi Tony, how are you?
0: Great. How are you?
2: Great, thanks. I wanted to ask you about the Inner Circle versus American Top Team feud and and full gear match. Um, What made you choose the Inner Circle for this position to go against American Top Team? And laying out the feud and the matches we've seen so far, how have you found balancing the idea of protecting the AW guys versus outsiders when, in this case, the outsiders are legit MMA fighters? And if I can sneak in another one, Uh, Paige Van has been so great. Have you spoken to her at all about eventually wrestling?
1: That's that's a few great questions. And uh, well, the way I came up with it was uh, being good friends with Dan Lambert. Again, through the pandemic, Dan came and visited and was at the shows uh, and is a big wrestling fan. He's a big fan of old school wrestling, as he's made very clear. And he's also a big fan of uh modern wrestling and he's a really intelligent person. And uh he had in his stable an American top team in his camp, he's got some of the best fighters in the world. And uh the idea for Inner Circle to be their opponents, I had gone to Chris and I told him there's I think there's something really here and maybe I'm crazy, but Chris totally agreed. And it's funny because I've seen um all these arenas with all this heat and now looking back on it, it's, it's amazing how far it's come. And, you know, we've been at Arthur Ashe stadium and uh, big arenas across the country and uh, wherever we go, Dan gets insane heat and the American top team get booed and, and people uh, love Chris Jericho in the inner circle. So it's, um, I think it's a great pairing and, and it's produced some of the loudest, reactions from the fans we've heard in a long time and uh I think people are having a lot of fun with it it's a cool rivalry uh it's gotten us a lot of mainstream buzz which I also expected going into it because when you have things like Jorge Masvidal throwing the flying knee at Chris Jericho that is going to get picked up and in in that case it got picked up almost every outlet so uh it was some of the biggest mainstream coverage we've ever had along with, you know, other huge stars we've had in AEW, like Shaq and Mike Tyson. And this got picked up on that level, uh, you know, along the lines of Shaq, Mike Tyson, Snoop Dogg, and other great celebrities who come into AEW. So, uh, the American top team have I think been great for us and will be great for us. And the inner circle also are, you know, since the beginning of AEW, um, steadfast parts of the show and uh, really very excited for the Minnesota three fight and Paige Van Zandt. What a great talent. I'm a huge fan and I really like Paige, uh, Paige and Austin. And, you know, I've been here a lot and I would love uh, for them to keep coming and, and for Paige to do more. Absolutely. I think she's tremendous.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. <clears throat> um, next up will be Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald. And Jim will be followed by Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Jim, you're up. I'm muted. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Wanted to address the dark tapings at Universal Studios and your thoughts of how things have been going there. With that, the crowds, just the whole setup there, and are is the plan moving forward to just continue doing it from Universal when you can going into the next year. So, yes, to be a a total straight shooter, yes, I'm going to keep doing that dark taping when we can, when it makes sense. Uh, When we've done live rampages, as many of you know, in the wrestling media, we've also taped dark there and done Elevation at Dynamite, which is what we did this week. So we will, again, tape dark uh, tomorrow before rampage. So I am expecting uh, that to continue to kind of be the cadence. And we can look forward to more Dark Tapings at Universal. The fans have really enjoyed them. And I've I've had a lot of fun at them, too. You know, any of you who've been at them, I think they've been really fun shows. And uh, a lot of the big stars have been very generous with their time, too. So it's, uh, it's a fun thing we've been doing.
0: Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jim. Bill Pritchard from Russell Zone is next, and Bill will be followed by Samantha Shipman from Daily DDT. Bill?
1: Hey, Tony, how are you? Hi, hey, Bill. Great. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Uh, thanks for taking the time for this. Uh, I actually wanted to ask uh, about Leo Rush. He made his in ring uh, return uh, this week, and just wanted it's to get your, your thoughts on Oh, happy birthday. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on how that's going. If there's any plans to, you know, keep them as a dedicated tag team, or if it's really just feeling things out right now, um, and use them as best as I you don't want to, I don't, well, I think it's a story that is developing between Leo and Dante. So without saying too much, I don't think you or any, anybody wants me to probably say where you they are going, but I really have enjoyed it and I've had a lot of people come up and enjoy it. And it's something that I felt really strongly about. And I haven't made it a secret that I really like Leo and I think he's a tremendous talent. And uh, I think he's benefited from the coaching that I've given him and he's gotten great coaching from others. I think Sanjay did a great job on that match last night uh, coaching with them. And I, Sanjay and I work real close uh, with Leo and Dante and with, with Seidel and Moriarty. So uh, I am a huge fan of Leo Rush, and I, I really think he's got a lot. And like I said, it's his birthday. A happy birthday, Leo! And uh, I think he's had. I mean, I, I'll I'll choose my words carefully here. When Leo retired from wrestling he came in he did one show for us he he, re, he retired from wrestling and I actively recruited him to come back and thought it would make a lot of sense for Leo at his young age uh, once he got over the injury to, to you know uh, just trust me and like let's let's give this a shot because I think he'd had a tough go other places and he was mentally; it seemed really burned out on the wrestling business, and he's done other things. He's a, he's a great athlete. But he's also uh, got a, a great personality, and he's been on MTV The Challenge, which is a big show. And, uh, but but if he's not wrestling, uh, I think he's not using great talents that he has. And uh, so I'm glad people got to see that last night. He had debuted in the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing, but then we had never seen him wrestle on TV or in a in an actual you know, sanctioned match. So uh, I was uh, really pleased with how it turned out. And for the live crowd, I went back out with Leo and Dante uh, when we were in break and raised their hands uh, to the crowd because I thought they did that well. So uh, it, it was very good.
0: <clears throat> okay. Thanks, Tony. So next is going to be Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT. Then I'm gonna take a question from a right in then we'll spin the wheel to see what the final question of the day is. So, Samantha, you're up. Hello. Hi.
2: How are you, Tony?
0: I'm doing great, thanks, Samantha.
2: Good. Um, I have <laughs> I have two questions for you, but we'll start with the first one, because I think that might be a little bit more uh, of what everybody's gonna be listening for. So we've seen, last night we saw Uh, best friends join chaos. Um, Kenta has put it out there that he wants to GTS punk. We've seen Kenta in AEW. We've seen Rocky Romero. We've seen Suzuki. We've seen Nagata. So what is the relationship with with New Japan like heading into 2022? And is that something where we could potentially see AEW um, wrestlers going into things like Wrestle Kingdom and New Year Dash? Um, or even later in the year, maybe in the G1, or what is, so what is that kind of looking like with with that relationship right now?
0: Okay, and what's your second question?
2: (laughs) My second question is completely different from that. It's actually about the women's division, and
0: we see that we have... uh,
1: I can, uh, uh, Jim, it's fine. (laughs) Is it okay if I answer that one and then go back to our other question? Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, I'll, so first of all, Okay, it's a great relationship. I really enjoy working with New Japan. It's changed a lot since AEW started because when AEW first started off, I think they were pretty pissed off with me. And and then uh, as wrestling went on, I think they saw that like I wasn't really trying to stop them from doing anything. And I actually uh, made a lot of uh, friendly gestures along the way, like, Chris Jericho I was very open about Chris Jericho working in New Japan and then when he was wrestling at the Tokyo Dome in January 2020 um, I even cleared the stipulation which we put together you know Chris basically was the go-between between between me and them at that point that uh, we would have it effectively be an AEW title eliminator match with uh, Tanahashi versus Jericho. Not unlike some of the matches we do in Dynamite, where it's hey, if you beat the champ, you get a shot at the title, and that's what we said. We, you know, if he beat Chris, he could come to AEW and get a shot at our title. So it added a lot of interest, I think, to their show in that match, and that was that was great. And also, I had been pretty open about John Moxley wrestling there, and I cleared dates time after time for John to to work there, and so. I think they saw this as a good relationship and I have a good reputation for being an honest person. So even though I kind of came out of left field and I was a new player in the game, I think I raised uh, their antenna uh, early and made them pretty nervous. And then the more I build a reputation in this, the sport uh, I think they, they wanted to work with me. And so now I talk to them on a regular basis and we put matches together and wrestlers from AEW go there and, as you said, I mean, you said it yourself in the question. I don't have to name all the different people that have come through from New Japan to AEW, but you've given a, a good list to start with of a number of people. And uh, and there's there's more, I think, in there, and there's probably more to come. So there's a lot of things we can do. And I'm a, a fan of a lot of their stuff. I was really pleased how many fans loved the Rapungi Vice team last night because I felt really strongly they should come out to their Punky vice team. I thought it would be for the the fans that that do like both shows and have watched both shows. You know, people remember the Trent and Rocky team. So if Orange and Rocky are coming out, it makes a lot of sense. Plus, I mean, it doesn't hurt in terms of building anticipation for Trent to come back, which I'm looking forward to. I'm a big Trent fan. And uh, look with new Japan, it's a good relationship. And uh, that's why I was so amused when the story of the day on a weekend uh, in the summer, this past summer was this, this story that kept getting buzzed that clearly was getting signal boosted by some PR person that uh, New Japan would work with WWE, which was comical to me because I was doing all this stuff with New Japan. I had all these plans with New Japan and I knew Nagata was going to be coming to Dynamite and we were doing this stuff with Kenta and, and had other plans in the future. And this was before we had even worked out uh, Suzuki coming in. And I'm not sure if you mentioned Kojima, I didn't hear it, but you might've, but Kojima is another great wrestler who's come in and wrestled on pay-per-view for us at all out had a great match with Mox. So uh, I've really liked working with them and I had this close relationship with them. And that's why I was like close to a live show. And I thought it would be a fun promo to cut uh, to get some, some buzz on the show. Uh, talking about uh, the fact that we have the partnership with New Japan. And I've been reading all these stories that New Japan and WWE are about to start this deal. And if that's the case, it's news to me because I had just reunited Rapungi Vice on Elevation. And, uh, you know, uh, Nagata was going to be coming in. And I we had all these plans with the U.S. title, with Mox. And I knew that, you know, we were, we had talked about what I was setting up with, mox versus lance for the texas death match which was going to lead to lance versus tanahashi for them so we've been working together pretty close so i asked them if they wanted me to do this promo because i thought it would be good buzz for for new japan and aew and they thought it was hilarious so so that's how that happened uh so yeah it's a great relationship i really like working with them uh and it's a they're, you know uh they have a great history, and and, uh, a lot of our wrestlers have great history there, and they also have a lot of great wrestlers of their own, so it's a great thing we have going.
0: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Samantha. Samantha has a second question, I think, Jim. Uh,
2: Yes, I do. Um, So thank you, uh, first of all, for the very thorough response to that question. That definitely answered a lot of questions. Um, So my other question is about the AEW Women's division and how much it's grown and we see obviously the tbs championship is about to be we're about to crown a winner very soon so do you see will you be treating the tbs title on the same level as the AEW women's Championship?
1: i think you should think of the tnt championship and the tbs championship oh. as sibling championships yeah, so
2: back, yeah. Yeah. okay that's where I was it's going so to do it
1: is. I mean, I think the TNT Championship is one of the most important championships in wrestling, and it's been uh, defended in huge matches. And at times, I mean, we've done massive ratings, and some of the biggest ratings we've ever done on Dynamite are for TNT title matches. And you can look back, uh, you know, we've had some monster ratings for things like uh, Brody Lee versus Dustin Rhodes uh, for the TNT title right after All Out 2020. Uh, Cody and Brody and the Dog Collar match did a great number, and Darby uh, versus Brian Cage did a really good number, and Darby versus Matt Hardy falls count anywhere for the TNT titles one of the biggest numbers we've ever done. So I think the TNT title has a great history, it's done some really big numbers, and and then our women's championship uh, again is it, you know Doctor Britt Baker's great champion. Whoever wins the TBS championship, uh, you know I think we have a number one contender Ty Conti now uh That's in line, you know, t- to me to wrestle for the world title. So the way I did the TBS uh, championship bracket was okay, let's take the top five. And you had number two, three, four, five. So you had, uh you know, Jade Cargill, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, and Chris Statlander. I gave them what we would do in like seeding in the NFL or in a lot of sports tournaments. You would take the top seeds and give them a, a buy. So as we were building, Ty Conti, I think, is, by the way, we're talking about our women's division. It's, it's not on the subject of the TBS championship because Ty Conti's wrestling for the world title. But I have to say Ty Conti is one of the most improved wrestlers in the world. And I always thought she was a great prospect. And for years, I really admired her. I was She's one of the people I was really shocked we were able to hire because it was somebody that I, I, I was surprised got like, let go and when she got fired, I wanted to snap her up very quickly. I was a big fan of Ty Conti, And uh, I think she's a great number one contender. And I'm really excited for the Ty Conti versus Britt Baker match. Britt's been a great, great champion for us. And Ty is a great number one contender. So the TBS championship, I took the rest of the top five, who are all also top contenders in line, gave them the first round buys, and then took, the, to me, the next eight, and built a 12 woman field, and now we're into kind of uh, I don't want I I don't want to upset the NCAA, but I will not call it the Elite Eight, <laughs> but uh, we're in uh, the this, this this really great eight final women, and uh, really excited for the quarterfinals of the TBS Championship Tournament, and I think it would help a lot. Like you know, I've really I am a huge believer in the TNT Championship. I've really loved the title. And uh, I think Sammy's one of the pillars of the company and I have great matches to come. Uh, and I just think that if you think of it as like the sibling championship, that'll probably it'll be treated very similarly.
0: Okay, thank you, Samantha. Thank you, Tony. Okay, I've got one write-in question and we've spun the wheel uh, in the last few minutes here. So Garrett Martin from Paste Magazine will ask the last question after I ask Tony, this write-in question from Daniel McMahon-Young of Gatekeepers. Um, Tony, his question is, with AEW having such a diverse fan base, what do you think has been AEW's biggest strength in attracting non-traditional wrestling audiences in the last six months or so?
1: It's a great question, Jim. Uh, Well, I I think wrestling speaks to everyone, and I, I... don't think you have to be great at sports or but you can be and I think like wrestling brings lots of people together because when I was a kid like wrestling was kind of the intersection of and I'm just speaking from my own experiences as a kid and, and as a fan before I was like a wrestling promoter or booker or executive so uh I've seen wrestling bring really diverse groups of people together people that are you know, jocks and people that don't play sports at all, and people that are really into music, or uh, people that are into art, and it's just an intersection of a bunch of really unique communities of people. So, uh, when you bring in people with unique interests, like you know, as I've said, whether it's it's music or uh, sports or something completely different, you will get all kinds of different people, and so and and wrestling's also not like some sports where it's only popular in one part of the world. Uh wrestling's big in a lot of countries you know where some sports that we watch on TV or that that are big on TV and do good ratings in America for example, it doesn't it you know they they may not be as popular as wrestling in a lot of these other countries. So wrestling it it's big all over the world and I I think it just speaks to a really diverse group of people I, I, and AEW now has gotten great penetration and as we go into our third full gear pay-per-view and, and we go into our final pay-per-view of this 2021 it's really our first chance we've had to show off this new roster of wrestlers uh, and I'm very excited about it because we have all these big stars we've signed you know CM Punk, uh, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Ruby Soho and uh many others in the company and 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 the company's really grown and and i'm really uh just very excited because coming out of full gear i think people will see uh more so than ever you know looking back at where we were a year ago how far the company's grown and uh to your to your question um because it's 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 a great question I think also, you know, trying to add uh, AEW in more countries, trying to expand uh, our our TV. You know, we've got Dynamite on a lot of places, now getting Rampage on more places and making our pay-per-views available on different countries, on different platforms. I think we can continue to grow the audience worldwide, which will help us make an even more diverse fan base.
0: Thank you, Tony. Okay, we're going to call on Garrett Martin from Pace Magazine. And Garrett, you're up. And after Tony's uh, response, then we'll uh, wrap this up. Garrett? Cool. Hey, Tony. Uh, Thanks for talking. Um, So let's circle back to full gear for this last question. I know a lot of people, they're expecting something like a coronation for Hangman this weekend. Um, Now, how did his paternity leave impact the timing of that and, and your plans And uh, how different would the last two months of the main event scene have been if he hadn't taken that time off?
1: Well, I don't want to say what my plans are. I think uh, everyone's going to have to watch the here and buy a pay-per-view to see what exactly is going to happen with Kenny and and Hangman in the world title match. Uh, I have looked forward to doing Hangman versus Kenny for a long time. Um, Him taking time off absolutely impacted the main event scene because, man, Page, was one of the top contenders and is one of the key wrestlers in the company. Uh, so it was uh, something I, you know, something I was, uh, had to pay close attention to, absolutely. But on the other hand, I tried to make lemonade out of lemon, as I'm often doing when there are challenges with uh scheduling shows and 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 with people traveling and coming to the shows and in this case if he wasn't going to be at the shows i had to make the best of the situation and i think we did and you know to be without one of our top stars in the company uh and still put together all out and have all out be such a great success and be so well received by the fans and also uh such a commercial success and sell well over 200,000 pay-per-views worldwide. And, uh, I, you know, that that was before people knew for sure that Brian Danielson and Adam Cole had come into AEW. And uh, now that we've got this amazing roster of people here, it, it's pretty uh, amazing to me uh, how far we've come. But now, really, again, this will be the first time we've been able to show off uh so much of the new roster at one time. So I uh would say it wasn't exactly what I'd originally expected when he wasn't available around all out, but I also try to make the best of it and uh it's great to have Hangman back now and I'm really looking forward to Kenny versus Hangman for the world title. Thanks, Garrett. And um uh, Tony,
0: thanks for the um uh for the extra time today. Uh, that was very nice of you and, and really thanks to everyone. We're now officially know it at the end of our time. So per our custom, we're gonna be distributing an audio recording uh, to all attendees here shortly. Say goodbye